So, in retrospect, and what I advise you to do is to call the competition. So the competition for us, and it should basically be the same for you, was franchises. So that's the big made companies that have made in their name. Yeah. <laughs> you call them. They will usually almost always just give you a flat number over the phone. Right. So you can get a little bit of market intelligence there. And really what you need to do is, okay, when you call, they might be logging your phone number and things like that with a piece of software. So you call. I'm going to ask what it is for a 2,500 square foot house. And then my business partner is going to call and he's going to ask what it is for a 1,500 square foot house. And then my wife is going to call and ask what it is for a 4,000 square foot house. So you can kind of get an idea. I mean, if you really wanted to get into it, you could just have them come out and do the estimate and like actually see how they do the estimate and actually do your diligence on your competitor's like actual that's presentation. If, that's if you can find someone who's actually going to come out. That was one of the yeah. things that set us apart in the beginning is that we did in-person estimates. So you call the big franchises, you call the local mom and pops, and then you call a couple house cleaners just to see what the pricing is. Grow your cleaning business. Make more money. Have more time. This is the Profit Cleaners Podcast with your host, Brandon Condry and Brandon Shane. Hey, everybody. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Profit Cleaners Podcast. I am Brandon Shane, your I'm, host. I'm Brandon Condry, your co-host. Your co-host. And together we have the Profit Cleaners, and we're really excited. Again, this is the only place where you can learn from the top 1% of cleaning business owners to put you ahead of the competition while redefining profit and living the good life. So let's dive in folks. We're going to talk about creating an easy to follow effective business plan for your company. And well, without further ado, let's dive in. Let's do it. Let's do it. So in this episode, we're going to talk about kind of going back to the very beginning. When we first started, we created a business plan. We also did a lot of other things like in the beginning just to jump all in and get going. But I think this was a really critical piece of getting that plan going and having yeah. that vision and that clear goal to achieve. So I'm really excited we did it. If there's a few other businesses I had in the past that I just totally didn't do it for. And I can say, I think that's a really big reason why they didn't succeed. Right. Didn't have a good plan. So even if you think this is, you know, fluff or nonsense to create a business plan, we're living proof you should do it. Yeah. You know, the, so there's a lot of, we revealed holes in our plan by actually going through the process. So we're going to show you how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So one quick thing, guys, uh, stay tuned till the end of this episode because we've got some really cool stuff for you. We're going to be giving away. So one of them is going to be in our toolkit. We're actually going to be giving you our business plan in the toolkit. So that's going to save you a lot of time. We're going to give you exactly what we had to start out with in the beginning and what we used. We're also going to be sharing another really cool resource that's basically a kind of an analytics tool that will help you find out where your ideal customers are. It's like a spatial analytics tool, right? Yeah, spatial analytics. That's my favorite buzzword that I learned today. <laughs> I never actually knew what they called it, but the other term they use is location intelligence. Location intelligence of human behavior and demographics and other cool stuff. So that's really cool. You want to stay tuned to hear about that. And also we're going to tell you the software tool that we use to quickly and easily build out this plan in the beginning. And it's really cool. You just put in your info, answer the questions, it yep. spits it out. It's a wizard and it makes a 
super professional looking document at the end and that's how we got funding basically so we'll talk about that too yeah so and just a couple other house cleaning items we want to get out of the way since we are a house cleaning brand we want you guys to again subscribe to the podcast if you haven't subscribed already if you're getting any type of value out of this if you're learning something from these episodes we're so excited but please help us to get the word out and share this with someone if you know somebody that wants to start a cleaning business Share it to them. Give them the link yeah. and, and let them know. And just... Yeah, tell your friends. Tell your family. If you know anyone who actually is thinking about starting any business, they might be interested in the podcast, in particular this episode, because there's going to be a lot of stuff in here just for business in general, but it's going to be fun. Right. And you know, currently, we're not running a ton of ads and 20 minutes of ads in the beginning of these episodes. We were trying to give you guys value. So pay it forward and help us get this out there to reach more people, help more people so we can all learn more and help each other more and do good stuff. So yeah. let's get going. So let's do it. So you're getting ready to start a company. You got to start somewhere. So the first thing we're going to tackle is do you just bootstrap it? Do you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get a broom and a mop and just do it myself and we'll take it from there. Or do you try and start with some funding and you know, do it a bit more large, a bit more grand scale. Right. And I think, you know, you could really go a lot of ways about this. You know, we could have definitely bootstrapped and done it like our mentors did, started out their own garage and just started doing themselves. When we started this, we were already to the point where we're like, you know what, we're going to go all in. We're going to have inventory of cleaners to start with so we can just be selling the product right away and, and getting out there and not have any, any challenges or holdups, you know? Right. So, yeah. And that was part of the business plan process was to figure out how much money do you need to do it one way versus the other. If you're bootstrapping it, you need a car with a magnet on the side and <laughs> a business registration and you work out of your garage. Our mentor yeah. in Colorado, they started in a garage and slowly built it up to what it is today. Yeah. And we have another friend in town that runs a landscaping company and he is still basically bootstrapping it. So he's got employees <laughs> and he's got crews, but they don't have an office. They run everything out of a storage unit. So yeah. at night, all that equipment just gets parked in a storage unit yeah. and they just meet there in the morning, unlock the trucks and they go do their thing. And he's basically working in a mobile office out of his car. So if that's you call was, yeah. the company number, you just get his cell phone and that's how he does it. And he's happy doing that. We just wanted to do it a different way. Right. So we wanted to be right out of the gate, just on fire and just all in going full speed ahead and so we chose to go the route of getting a little money and if you want to do that you got to have a plan you got to be able to tell people what you're doing especially if it's an investor but you know usually the banks won't give you money for this kind of thing right right we tried to do yeah that so and- we did talk to a couple loan officers at banks in the beginning and the hard facts here are that a bank is not going to give you money off of an idea on a piece of paper. So a bank will lend you money via the SBA if you are trying to buy an existing business because they can look at that business's history mm. and say, this business has a 20% profit margin over the last five years and you're going to buy it for this much. Cool, we're in yeah. because we are likely to get paid back because the business is already working. If you don't have any experience running a cleaning company like we did and you're just going to start <laughs> out of the blue... No one's going to be like, yeah, here's your hundred grand. Congratulations. Right. So the fundraising that we took was we're going to write a really solid business plan, really dig into the numbers, make sure that we got all the T's crossed and I's dotted Mm -hmm. and then solicit funds from friends and family. And that's what we did. We raised funds from some family members. My mom put in some money. My mother-in-law put in some money. And then a couple former employers of mine put in the bulk of the money. But the reason they did that was because Mm -hmm. I showed them we were taking this very seriously. Here's this document. Here's what we need. 
not only here's what we need, but here's where we're going to spend it. Not just like, I don't know, like 150 grand ought to do it. Like it was a very specific number (laughs) that we requested and that we got. And so, yeah, that's how we did it. Yeah. So you can go either way, but again, if you want to go to the banks, they're going to want revenue. And if you're brand new starting out, you don't have any revenue. And we've learned, you know, in the first few years of business, nobody wants to give you money because they're like, you're not even three years in and that's when they want to start giving you money, right? The banks and right. They want to see certain numbers. There's certain places, I guess, like Cabbage and places that we found that would fund us. Yeah, we did get a line of credit through Cabbage, but I mean, you're talking $5,000, I think is what they gave us. That's not enough to do much with. And you have to pay it back in six months on weekly payments. So it just hits you in the kneecap from a cash flow perspective to kind of take that money. But we did have it as an emergency fund. One of the analogies that you told me when we were in the very beginning, we take walks around the block all the time and drink coffee and kind of hash things out. Yeah. And I remember being very stressed out in the beginning about revenue, this, that, the other thing. And one of the things that you said to me that calmed me down was we're building a pipeline. So there's a lot of infrastructure. You got to get the pipes and put them all together and, you know, we're putting it here and there. And then in the end, once the pipeline's ready, you just turn on the valve at the end and that's the cash flow. Right. And that proved to be a pretty solid analogy. Like that's how it worked out. We invested more money up front to get a building and vehicles and equipment and the knowledge and then the cash flow came after the fact right and it's sort of this like delayed gratification and you're looking around while you're building the pipeline and you're like man this is taking forever and there's nothing flowing down the thing yet and we're not paying ourselves yet this is so hard we're like it was a really anxious you know you were very anxious you know because we couldn't even pay rent at our office at at some points right or we were like so we were renting out the penthouse office we're in now we were (laughs) renting that out to an electrical distributor we had talked to a medical marijuana company at one point about renting it out. And so we were just trying to put a tenant up here all the time just to take the edge off the rent. Yeah. Um, And we've grown past that now. But the big picture here is like, you know, it doesn't feel like you're making a lot of progress while you're building that pipeline. But once it's hooked up, it's connected, the valves are all connected and whatever, it's you just turn that faucet on and boom, the water's flowing and you have customers and money flowing and you're in business instead of just struggling to, to even get something built. You know? Yeah. So that's what we're going to tell you today. We're going to tell you how the business plan is going to guide you towards that sort of setup to set you up for success on a bigger scale than if you just did it with a couple people out of a garage in the beginning. We had branding, we had marketing, we had professional logos, we had Google ads. We had all that from the get go and we'll go over all that in detail. Yeah. And I just want to mention too, you know, we are all about happiness and freedom and having a great lifestyle while you're doing this business. So one of the things that comes with that is making progress. You know, if you can just be making daily progress when you're starting the business, when you're writing these business plans, whatever it is, progress equals happiness. And that's something I learned a long time ago from one of my mentors. I can't remember which one, but thoughts become things. And so like in the beginning, this is just a thought. This is just something in your mind, in your imagination you know, I really believe in thoughts become things. Once you have that thought organized into an idea, into a plan, then there's a transformation of those plans into reality. And then the beginning, as you see, like it's just in your imagination, but you just need to start taking action and start making progress. And that's what gets you the results. You know, that's also one of the things that really helps me personally with anxiety is that if you're anxious about whatever it is, just take some action that you can do to like counteract it. So right. yeah, we're anxious about not having revenue. Like, cool, how do we get more revenue? This is also one of the things that used to say to me all the time. You'd want to do whatever. We're going to hire a guy to make t-shirts. I remember you brought that up really early <laughs> on. And I was like, we can't afford to do that. And you were trying to tell me to change the mindset. Like, not we can't afford to do that, but like 
how can we afford to do that? Like, yeah, actually make the metrics. And this is kind of how I got into the spreadsheet ninja side of things was like, yeah. okay, to get to this goal of we're going to whatever, we're going to buy another car. We need to add 23 more customers and then right. we'll have the leftover cash flow to do it. And so all that is taking action and it just works towards the goal. Right. And it's just reframing that question instead of like, gosh, how are we going to do this? Or like, we'll never be able to have that money to make that happen. It's which is what the question a lot of people tell themselves or ask. It's a false belief. But if you reframe it and you say, wait a second, how can we do this and create more money? Or like you said, it's just opening the question so that you'll find the answer and you'll go dig in and find yeah. a way to make it happen. Yep. Totally. So, so yeah. And I think it's so important to have this plan because it's going to give you that further deeper purpose and reason why to execute. It's going to give you that clarity. Clarity equals confidence. So when you get really clear on where you're going, you see it's just like if you're going on a road trip and you know, I'm going over here to this place. It's like, you can enjoy the ride a lot more because you know where your destination is. You're not freaking out the whole time and like, oh my God, when are we going to be there? And you know, it's a lot more clear and it gives you that confidence to take that action and to make that progress. Yeah. So in the beginning, I don't think you ever expressed this to me. I learned this while reading the notes for this show, but you <laughs> thought that doing the business plan was kind of a silly thing to do. Well, I would say it never really crossed my mind that we should absolutely do it in the beginning just because, you know, doing some of these internet businesses, they were just like, you know, set up a website and boom, you're in business. And it was just like for a while, I wasn't creating business plans for some of these projects yeah. I had worked on. And looking back in hindsight, you know, it's 2020 and you can really see, well, maybe I didn't have a great plan. And that's probably a good reason that business never yeah. made it. And, you know, just. Yeah. So the other thing that's different between you and I is you went to school for business. You have a business degree and mm -hmm. you had to do a lot of business plans as part of that degree. And so yeah. the business plan is kind of like the five paragraph essay of right. business school. Yep. And I majored in biology. What I did do was I attended classes that were put on by a small business development center in Denver and they drilled in. They're like, you got to do a business plan. These yeah. are the benefits. You're going to learn a lot of stuff about it, like SWOT analysis and things like that. Yeah. And so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make sure we had it all on paper not only to solicit funds, but also to make sure that we had covered holes. Like we made sure that we revealed, right. We knew what we were thinking about. And so that's what happened. And it was so helpful, man. I'm just like, I'm remembering and we have it actually right in front of us here. It's, it's this amazing plan that has all these details that you would probably never even think of unless you're really getting into the details of it. But you're right. It does reveal things that you'd never think of that if you didn't talk about it now, when you're planning out the business, I mean, it could be a major disaster. Yeah, you, you get you know? to the point where you hit this threshold or milestone and you're like, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. But we already had that planned out. It was already in there. Like we had revenue targets we were going to hit and things like that. And it's funny to look back on it now. I haven't looked at it in a long time, but it's good to review it to see where we thought we were going to be versus where we are. Yeah. And just coming back to that, taking massive action, like it's hard to take massive action if you don't know where you're going if you don't have confidence in a plan you know a lot of you guys are familiar with tony robbins he's got something that's always stuck with me about achieving results and one of the things he would always say is number one you know take massive action because whenever you start anything you have kind of this uncertainty and this disbelief that it's even possible right so you got to change that and you got to take massive action right away with a plan of course and then once you start taking that action even if it's just a few little things a day calling a few people or making a few things that make that progress, that's what builds belief. And that's what builds certainty so that you can take the next steps and the next steps. And it just it kind of builds this snowball of momentum. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the magic sauce, I think, in a lot of businesses. Once you start getting that momentum, it's easier and easier to achieve more progress and achieve more success because 
like you almost can't stop it and it just keeps going. And that momentum is what creates those back end results. And that's what we're, you know, living yeah. proof of now. And again, we started with a plan. We took action. It built that belief and certainty. Now we have results. Now the belief is even more so we can take more action and it just builds and builds. So right. it's like this positive acceleration into the future. So yeah, we've got a nice quote that kind of uh, goes to that. So all you need is the plan, the roadmap and the courage to press on to your destination. That's from Earl Nightingale. And that's what we did. And so we're we're still on that plan. We're, we're not at the destination. We're constantly evolving every day, but that yeah. business plan was kind of the first sort of building block. Yeah. And I think if you look through history, like almost all great leaders talk about planning and having a plan and it's just a really big part of success. So you can actually have the courage. Like where does that courage come from? It comes from having a plan and having confidence to execute that plan, right. you know? So let's talk about how we actually did the plan. I had dozens of sample business plans that I had found online for various businesses and I kind of read through it and what stuck out to me most when reading the sample plans were is that they were all the same Times New Roman Microsoft Word document with some black and white yeah. bar charts and it was really frustrating and I'm a perfectionist on formatting and things like that <laughs> with um, spreadsheets and documents and stuff and so I tried to do this first in Word and it just drove me crazy trying to get this thing to look the way that I wanted it to look. And so eventually right. I got frustrated and I just started Googling around and I found a software solution that ended up being just so easy so that I could actually focus on the content of the business plan instead of like the presentation. And so that software provider is called Live Plan and I can't recommend it enough. We'll have a link in the show notes that you can go check out and Hopefully you find some advantage of it too. But the thing that was really nice is that it's just a wizard. So you set up an account, it's going to ask you a bunch of questions. What business are you in? Right. Based on that, we think you need to put these things in here. And so the content of the plan ended up being the opportunity of the plan. So that was what's the problem that we're trying to solve and what's our solution. Market analysis, who's the competition, what makes us different, how we found our target market, what the advantages are, execution, our marketing plan, operations, the milestones we're going to hit, who our team was that's going to actually make this happen. And we put in things like us and accountants and anyone that we thought would be valuable right. that know that we thought it out, we put it in there. And then we did a bunch of financial forecasts. The forecasts in particular are pretty funny because you really don't know what you don't know. So like, yeah. we're going to take a stab. We want this target invoice like we were shooting for 175 dollars per service as an average mm -hmm. i mean in reality three years in we're averaging something like 164 so yeah we missed the bar on that a little bit but the point is the wizard is what really gets you to it and so mm -hmm. it'll say okay cool we're going to talk about your milestones now here's a couple examples of what you should be doing as milestones and then mm -hmm. like all right you take a pause write this out Brandon, your wife was helping us out a lot on the copywriting to make sure that it sounded really well executed. And then mm -hmm. you just kind of drop and paste that in and then you can change fonts and it was just great. Yeah, I know it's kind of funny earlier today you were showing me, we were looking through our business plan and it's just funny to go back and revisit this plan that we had three years ago and you were mentioning, man, we totally crushed the last couple of years, but we were way off on the first year, yeah. right? And so we had predicted just full profitability from the beginning. We're just gonna hit the ground with 20% <laughs> and it's gonna be great. And that was not what happened. Like it, our first, you know, six months was hard. It, it took a long time to get like the first couple dozen customers that were like stable. Right. And we missed the revenue targets in the plan by quite a bit. But 
we were over three times the revenue targets three years in. So wow, the yeah. curve that actually originated, I think I had us going on something like a 20% growth curve, like super duper stable yeah. and boring. It ended up being more like an exponential thing. So right. in the beginning, it was slow to get going, slow to get going. But once it got going, it just moved. Let's tell people, like, because I don't exactly remember those numbers, but it's always like mind boggling when you talk about like the sure. first year, it was like, I'm gonna actually hundreds of percentages. I'm of, gonna flip you know. through our business plan and actually get these numbers for you for real. Yeah, we're gonna give you a copy of this business plan in the toolkit. We'll tell you how to get that at the end of the episode. But we're gonna give you all kinds of cool stuff in there, like the link to live plan and a copy of this business plan. So here's what we had. This is kind of in the beginning in the executive summary. So we had financial highlights by year. So the first year we thought we would make two hundred thousand dollars. The next year would be two seventy five, and the third year would be like three twenty. I'm reading this off a bar chart, so that's why these figures aren't exact numbers. There's a spreadsheet somewhere deeper in that kind of gives you that. So what ended up happening, I think, was the first year we did more like a hundred thousand over the twelve month period. We started in the middle of a year, so that right. first six month period was something like sixty thousand. Mm -hmm. The next year, we doubled, I want to say, but. Between year two and year three, it was 667% growth. Wow. <laughs> so insane, man. Instead of just coming over $300,000, we pushed a million. So we were at 900 and some change. And we're in the middle of year four right now. And we're dealing with the pandemic and stuff, which is going to impact our numbers. So we've kind of flatlined a little bit here in the end, but we're expecting a big spike. Right. So this will end up being our best year ever. But yeah, so we had forecast this an overshoot at the beginning compared to reality, <laughs> but then a very conservative growth curve, which we seriously underestimated the market. Yeah. And it was almost crazy. Like we were trying to keep up with the growth and it's definitely like leveled out a little bit and been a little bit more easy to maintain now that we're not like exponentially flying through the roof on the growth. But I mean, that was really exciting, man. We were just hiring teams every 90 days and keeping on track with, and it was just, yeah, we up. were on a really good average. So we were hiring three people every 90 days, a new team. And so, you know, you're trying to get the goal when we were growing as fast as we were, was to never waitlist someone. What we wanted to tell people was we've got a team training right now. They'll be ready in two weeks. And so we're trying to sell biweekly cleaning service. That's our primary product. So yeah. asking someone to wait two weeks is usually not big of a deal, especially if they're coming from a competitor. So like, just get one more clean with the one that you don't like, and we'll pick it up in two weeks. Right. And that's kind of how we accelerated that growth. Yeah. And I think something in the beginning too, that kind of looking back, we didn't do, we were kind of hesitant to do. I don't know why, but uh, I was, you, <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to call the competitors to see what the pricing was in our market. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's call them. And, and, uh, you were like, I don't know, man, it feels kind of I weird. Shut, and I shut that down. It, it felt kind of slimy to me to call sure. a competitor to give them false hope that we're going to become a customer. Right. And now I have completely flipped. So we probably get hit up, I would say, maybe once every six weeks. And I don't think this is so much like our true competition. Like we have another cleaning company that does green cleaning in town that I would call like our real competition. I don't think they're calling us to peg for yeah. estimates. But I think what it is is like housekeepers. So like it's an individual housekeeper. They saw our car. Yeah, they saw the car. They got, <laughs> we got one call in, in particular that I remember where this lady called up and said, how much would you charge for a 3,500 square foot house in Corrales? And we're like, well, we come out and do an estimate so we can tell you what it is. You're like, I don't want this one. I just want the ballpark pricing. And so 
that happened more and more often. And so we instructed our office manager to, when they get those calls, you just tell them like, it can be as little as blank. And the number that she quotes is what it is for a weekly clean on a thousand square feet, which is less than a hundred bucks. And so that just throws them off. Like they're cleaning a 3,500 square foot house for $90. I can't keep up with this. And they either bail out or they go and charge 90 bucks to clean a 3,500 square foot house, which is fine by me if they're going to do that. So in retrospect, and what I advise you to do is to call the competition. So the competition for us, and it should basically be the same for you, was franchises. So that's the big made companies that have made in their name. (laughs) You call them. They will usually almost always just give you a flat number over the phone. No one came out when I moved here and was trying to find, we called a couple of them before we had started this business when I just wanted to have my house clean and they just gave me a flat number over the phone without actually seeing anything. Right. So you can get a little bit of market intelligence there. And really what you need to do is, okay, when you call, they might be logging your phone number and things like that with a piece of software. So you call. I'm going to ask what it is for a 2,500 square foot house. And then my business partner is going to call and he's going to ask what it is for a 1,500 square foot house. And then my wife is going to call and ask what it is for a 4,000 square foot house. So you can kind of get an idea. You could even go as far as like just have them come out. I mean, if you really wanted to get into it, you could just have them come out and do the estimate and like actually see how they do the estimate and actually do your diligence on your competitor's like actual presentation. That's if you can find someone who's actually going to come out. That was one of the things that set us apart in the beginning is that we did in-person estimates. And I don't think any of our competition outside of one of the big franchises actually did in-person estimates. And those were funny to me because they would do a handwritten carbon copy estimate. So they're not using software to drive stuff. We're using software. So Mm -hmm. like, you do learn a little bit of things and once we actually got started you are shocked at how much potential customers are willing to share to you i have got copies of invoices (laughs) or sorry copies of estimates from basically all the competitions so i've actually seen what their pitch is on paper right but yeah in retrospect i would have called so you call the big franchises you call the local mom and pops and then you call a couple house cleaners just to see what the pricing is and i wouldn't feel bad about it this is just part of business people are going to do market research on you all the time yeah and you know right now we're converting something like 67 percent of estimates become customers which is pretty good That means 40% of the people that we give those numbers to freely are saying no. So Mm -hmm. by you getting these estimates and not becoming a customer, they're not going to look you up and, you know, trick you down later if you started a cleaning company. It doesn't matter. So that is the one thing that I think we should have done more because we shot for that 175 mark and we Mm -hmm. ended up starting way lower than that. In the beginning, our stuff was way lower. We had a price lower. Mm. We would have had a better idea. We started raising prices as we got into it because people would tell us when we gave them the numbers, like, wow, that's a really good deal. Yeah. And I don't want to bill our company as an affordable product. It's a luxury product. It's something that is really, really nice to have. Housekeepers are affordable. Right. So like you get customers that'll say, I'm not going to pay $200 to do this. My neighbor has someone who does it for 50 bucks. I'm like, yeah, but that's a sales thing that we'll go over later. But yeah, no, you should definitely call the customers, call the competition and get some numbers for sure. Yeah. And speaking on that, because we're not trying to position ourselves as just another cheap, affordable, like housekeeping or how like a housekeeper would be where they're dirt cheap and they come in and they don't always show up and they leak oil on your driveway and they miss yeah. stuff and they, then you have to pay for their hospital bills because you're like oh man they're part of my family now yep that <laughs> you know? a lot. so like that's the other side is we're providing this actual luxury service like you mentioned and so we're actually having to look where are those customers and what zip code those people in and how are we going to get this luxury product in front of the people that actually have 
the house and the budget and they don't have the time to clean. So they're our ideal customers, you know? Right. And so we had to figure out that data, yep. which brings us to our next cool thing that we want to talk yeah, about. Yeah. So this is a thing that we're going to give you in the toolkit as well, but we used company or I used it personally, which I don't recommend, but it's called ESRI, E-S-R-I and their big product is Arc GIS. And so GIS is a mapping software. And I remember hearing about GIS when I was in college, like I had friends that were computer science people that had mentioned it before. And realistically, it's a mapping tool with a bunch of data behind it. But I got the free product and I had to figure out how to do this myself by watching a bunch of YouTube videos. And you'll see it on the business plan because we're going to distribute that to you. But the graphics that came out of it were kind of fuzzy and I didn't like the end result. If we were doing this all over again, what I would have done is gone to a freelancing website like Upwork, something like that, and just hire someone who knows what they're doing because they'll be able to bust this out in like a few minutes. And we just looked at Upwork.com like 30 minutes ago and we found people that do this ESRI, ESRI, whatever, yeah. graphing, like spatial analytics data compiling or whatever yeah. they do. There's and, plenty of people that do this. Like there are people that have jobs in this. Yeah, it's like a full-time deal that they do. And we're going to tell you guys a lot about outsourcing and delegating stuff. But this is something we could have outsourced right away in the beginning. And it would have saved us a lot of time. It's probably not even that much money to, you know, if we would have paid yeah. someone a couple hours to scrape the data. So, so yeah, so here's what we got. So like pay someone for sure to do it. Absolutely. It's definitely worth the investment. This took me days to figure out how to do it on my own and someone could have done it very quickly. But here's what we were looking for. We were looking for the places in town that had disposable income because it's a luxury product. We don't want someone who's making $30,000 a year and then trying to charge them $4,000 a year. That's a significant portion of their income. Mm -hmm. So we had an idea because we both live here. Like we know where the nicer neighborhoods are. So we kind of knew that this was it, but it you have this map of the whole city, this kind of heat map. And what we were mapping out was the population of a, we had cordoned this off. Like you can draw an area by hand on a map. It's not necessarily by zip code, but we were looking for what population was in there and what the median income is, what the median age is, what the mix of white to blue collar workers are, what the unemployment rate is. Then there's actually a metric for median disposable income and how many housing units there are. And so you're able to come up with these numbers that say this, like this is what we can do. Mm -hmm. And this is all in the business plan. I'm not going to read you guys a bunch of numbers, but the idea is you identify the places that have the most disposable income. There's this many single family houses in there. If we capture 2% of that area, what does that translate to for revenue and two percent in our case was like we would retire next Millions. week if we had gotten two yeah. percent in the beginning you need a fraction of a percent to make this business viable to really do it and all that stuff is revealed within the numbers and so you know we kind of had the leg up because we live here and we knew what we were looking for but if you hire someone let's say you're expanding like maybe you have a cleaning company and you're listening to this because you want to move to another state you want to open a new state and you don't know anything about that state you hire someone to do this mapping for you, make this little heat map based off of these metrics. It'll show you that these are the zip codes. And then what that did for us was like, yes, we know we're gonna try and get customers, but it really helped us with where are we gonna concentrate the initial marketing? Yeah, And we did that with a bunch of door hangers, personally. <laughs> Which we'll probably never do again. Yeah, never again. <laughs> personally, with a bunch of family members, we all loaded up backpacks in the middle of the summer. It was super hot oh, and we man. bought a bunch of bottled water. And we walked and walked and walked and walked. We walked miles over a weekend and we hung something like 3,000 yeah. door hangers. I want to say it was crazy. something like 3,000. Yeah. And 
that's we got business off of those door hangers and mm-hmm. we knew that those people would respond based on the marketing because we kind of knew their demographics right and it wasn't like a ton of people off the door hangers other marketing seems to work much better obviously but it was a, that initial push it was that initial we're getting the brand out people are seeing our stuff we got a few people initially a few people like six months later you know because people would just yeah, stick these on their stuck them on their fridge, fridge and then it was time like <laughs> oh my housekeeper retired or moved away i better call these guys up so yeah we got people i think up to a year later even off a year later here. yeah so i mean that's the good news is is like a long-term piece and if you make it attractive people stick it on their fridge and and that's how we got started and looking back now it's kind of funny because those exact zip codes that we mapped out in esri are really when we look at our heat map, that's now where our software, customer base That's is. where they are. And that's where the bulk of our business is. So it really does, you know, translate to that. And that's yeah. where the business is. And then and once you get a foothold in those neighborhoods, then people see your car out front. Neighbors start calling because they see this car every two weeks. And so they know that if it's good enough for that neighbor, because I know them and they're really picky, then it must be good enough for me. Yeah. And then you start getting calls on just the cars. So that's the whole snowball effect. Yeah. But so the business plan helped us get to that point. And then the other part of it before we got going was to kind of create a launch strategy. So we snuck in there that we had done the door hangers. But one of the things we did, which I we highly recommend that you do, is that we had done a ton of free cleans. Dozens, I think. And the point of the free cleans was we're going to call. We focused on teachers, I think, in the beginning. So like we had friends that are teachers. They don't make a lot of money. They're probably not going to be able to do this. But we're going to come in, clean your house for free. Let us use you as a guinea pig. It was kind of a training operation. We did really tough inspections on those first cleans. But the real beauty of it was we did your clean for free. You actually got to see what it's going to be now. Can you go leave us a review? And mm. so when we launched, before we even launched and you know had paying customers, we had multiple five-star reviews, which when someone got your door hanger and they're going to go Google you and they already see that you have these reviews, that was huge. Right. And it's the law of reciprocity. You know, people, you get something for free and there's this subconscious thing. You're like, I need to give something back or I need to help them back somehow. And so, yeah, it was really easy for us to be like, hey, we're starting out. We're brand new. Just let us do this for free. I mean, who's going to say no to that? Right. I'm going to come clean your house for free. And a lot of them, like you said, were friends, family, teachers, anyone you know that you know would be open to this and, you know, that would leave you a review, which would be great. They don't have to do that. Just getting your name out is awesome. But I used to do this all the time on Amazon. We would give away hundreds of products when we launch a new product and those people would leave reviews and it's just the law of reciprocity. They get something for free. They want to give you something back. A review is a simple way to, you know, there's no monetary amount being like, they don't have to pay you back or anything. It's just, oh, I'll leave you a review. That's easy. Yeah. So we were pushing people to mainly reviews on Google. Nextdoor, where else? All Yelp, the different sites, Yelp, Facebook, Facebook. Yeah. I mean, just any social channel, anywhere you want to focus. Google has been our main source of revenue and yeah. leads and things Go- like that. Google, so. ha- we have the most reviews there. We focus on that for sure. I'd say second place is probably Facebook in terms of where we're getting traffic. And in a distant third is probably Yelp. Yeah. Distant and, third is probably Yelp and Home Advisor and Angie's List like all tied up together. Yeah, but if, if you're just bootstrapping and just getting out there, I mean, door hangers work and then doing the free cleans is a great way to get your foot in the yeah. door and it's a great way to train your teams. It's a great way to fill their time while you're building up you know, selling more people to fill their time. Yeah. Because so give them something to do and simultaneously be getting reviews, which are actually really hard to get. Like, 
you know, you'll see companies that have been around for 20 years and they have like 10 reviews still. And it's yeah. like, they don't market that. They don't really push those reviews, but the reviews nowadays are- Or are, worse, the 10 know? reviews are three stars because they yeah. didn't reply to anything and try to recover stuff. Right, so um, you want to be constantly pushing those down with fresh new ones that are good. And Yeah, if you and can, we do that. We do review pushes four times a year, basically once a quarter, and we'll we'll give bonuses for that and make sure we yeah. like, keep those two things fresh. The other thing you don't want to see when you go Google a company is that- they have a hundred reviews, but the last one that was left was 18 months ago. Like yeah. you need new stuff. You need a constant influx to make sure that it's jiving. Yeah. So you're just positioning yourself for success if you do that right out of the gate. And, you know, we'll talk more about the car in a later episode and the other branding, other things you can do to market, but you yeah. just want to get your foot in the door, get out there, start taking action and getting more customers yeah. so one way or another. The other thing we do as part of the launch strategy is we got the few free cleans up, but once we actually started taking paying customers, we had a bunch of different discount schemes that we were running. So there was like, I didn't want to do big discounts on the first clean because we, you don't want to get in a situation where you got a looky-loo who came out and used you one time and you didn't even, you lost money on the deal because you right. charged it so low. So what we ended up doing was you got 50% off the second clean. So the first one is an initial cost. It's a higher cost. So we made our money there. Hopefully we impress the customer and then you get 50% off the next one and then it goes to list price. Yeah. We also tried three months of 20% off, which I think was the one that went out in the door hanger, if I recall correctly. We did lots of things, but like mm -hmm. you should have some kind of initial offering for the paid customers that don't know you, that not family and friends. Yeah. And kind of what we're banking on is the fact that a lot of our bread and butter is in the recurring customers. So, you know, if there's this thought of, well, if I discount anything up front, you know, yeah, like you said, we'll lose money. However, you're getting your branding out there. People are seeing you out there. Even if they had one experience with you and it was good and they're just wanting a one-time clean, well, now you're in their mind and if they think of cleaning again or they tell someone or someone asks them, you know, who do you use for cleaning, they're very likely to, to share that experience, right. especially if it was a positive one. And so it's actually great, even in the beginning, even if you don't want to do one-time cleans all the time, it's good to start. That's where we started because it drives more business. It was like half of our business in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. um, those one-times, they're very variable, sometimes take a lot more time and screw up all the systems and stuff. But again, it helps get your brand out there. Right. Some of those people are going to come back to become recurring customers. So What happens a lot you know, is you get a move out clean and then they'll hire you for recurring service at the house they just moved into. So that happens from time to time too. Yeah. So, I mean, my opinion on discounts has changed over time. So like we're at the point now from a cash flow perspective where we are doing big discounts on first cleans now just to show people what we can do because mm -hmm. we've got a little bit more confidence. We know what we're doing. In the beginning, we were getting complaints because we were still like trying to work out all the kinks and things like that. And so... From a cash flow perspective, I was hesitant to do those initial discounts. But if you are able to, you'll get more people on like, they'll be more impressed if you're offering a big percentage discount on the first clean. Right. But you don't want it to be so crazy like a Groupon type customer no. where it's like 75% off or something crazy like that. Because yeah. you'll get people that are literally just like, yeah, you're my like slave for the day. So come in here and do all this stuff and then I'm never calling you again. No, those are the worst customers. The tire kickers, the ones that pay the least and they demand the most. And, and you want to stay. And, yeah. Yeah. You want to stay away from those. And that's why we say stay away from big discounts. But like you still want to offer. You have to have a creative, attractive offer. Something that they're going to be like, whoa, that's compelling. That sounds good. So again, the one we've been running with for a long time is 50% off your second cleaner, 60% yeah. off, something around there. But yeah, that's been really effective for a long time. We didn't think it would be effective because it was like 
you know, people are like, no, you got to do it on the first time and mm-hmm. but it worked, you know? So you yeah. just got to try stuff, see what's attractive. What would you want? What would be attractive to you? And just try stuff and see yeah, what works. And then you get to a point business level wise, customers and cash flow wise that you can now really experiment and really find what works. In the beginning, you're kind of strapped for cash. Even if you did get the investment funds, you got to use it to actually execute. So we can't be just giving away the farm. But you'll get to a point where you can kind of work it in and we'll have more advice on that at other yeah. venues. And the beautiful thing about this is even though you might take a little hit, a loss leader, someone coming in, you lose a little money on the front end. Think of the big picture here. These customers are, what's our average customer, like three to $5,000 a year on yeah, average? Yeah, so, so we're averaging like 3,500, I think. So that's per year. And like, we're able to forecast that on a yearly basis. But what's hard to calculate is lifetime value for customers because mm. we're still relatively new in our fourth year. When you get to like our mentor in Colorado have been around for 16 years, they have customers that have been with them for 16 years. And yeah. so that one customer, the one time that you impressed them and then kept coming back, they're going to stick with you forever because trust is hard to find. So when they know that you're a reputable company, you treat your people well, you treat your customers well, they'll be in it for the long haul. Yeah. And so that's kind of what the goal of those discounts are in the beginning is to get people in the door but you have to then deliver. You have to impress right. to get that lifetime value out of the customer. So you want to look at the big picture because you're you know, taking a little bit of a hit, but look at that big number on the back end. And like you said, man, this can be years and years. And we still have customers from year one. We have a lot Absolutely. of customers. We have, you know? we have many customers that are from like our inaugural batch, like yeah. people that we got in the first three months that are still with us. Yeah. So that's the beauty is this is a subscription model business. At first, I didn't even realize kind of like it is that, but it really is. I mean, people, even though they're not like literally on a subscription, you can set it up like that. But like they come, they're scheduled every two weeks or every month. It's ongoing. It's, it's the same it's Netflix, day. It's the same. Netflix for cleanliness. That's what it is. <laughs> Netflix for cleanliness. I love it. So yeah, I mean, we're all about that business model. And this is like a perfect localized version of that on steroids. And it's just a beautiful thing yeah. because when you can predict revenue and you can predict what your next month's gonna look like, that's a real business. And that's something that you can be proud of and something you can really have the courage to keep pressing on with your plan and doing all the good stuff you need to do to, to yeah. keep it going. So that's basically it, guys. I mean, hopefully you found some value out of there. Don't forget to come get the toolkit. So that's it, profitcleaners.com slash toolkit. That's where the business plan copy is gonna be. You'll find links to the software we mentioned um, to get that as well. I just wanna drop this quote in here because you guys got to commit. And uh, I got one more quote from Peter Drucker. He's a great business dude. Unless commitment is made, there are only promises and hopes, but no plans. So make that commitment to yourself. We don't care if, if you don't do it. It's not going to hurt us. We're already doing this. We're committed. But put that commitment on yourself, your family, your purpose, your reason why, and really make this happen. Put a plan together. Make a business plan happen. If you don't already have one, make one. Or if you're going into another market, if you already have an existing business, plan it out, use these cool resources, this data to find out where these customers are and execute it and right. create that momentum. So we already gave you the toolkit. That's it. Profitcleaners.com slash toolkit. We're always, we're not always, but we're still doing our masterclass, which is eight weeks of sort of free coaching. And uh, you can find that at profitcleaners.com slash masterclass. Yep. And also we're on social media, check out the Facebook page and hit us up at Profit Cleaners on the email if you want to ask us a question. Hello at ProfitCleaners.com. And I think that's pretty much it, man. We covered a lot in this episode. Yeah. Way to go, guys. Thanks for sticking with us. And as always, keep it clean. Keep it clean. Thanks for joining us today. To get more info, including show notes, updates, trainings, and super cool free stuff, head over to ProfitCleaners.com. And remember, keep it clean.